Lord, thank you this morning for being our rock. Lord, for being our foundation. For being somebody that we can absolutely stand firmly on. And I ask this morning that your, God, that, that your sweet voice would speak this morning. That it would just grab the hearts of your kids, Lord. That, that it would be something that would, um, that would change their attitude, change their perspective, Lord. Change a life today because of what they hear and, and what you deposit into their hearts. So whatever it needs, for, for whatever it takes for us to get there, Lord, I just pray that you get us there. And I'm asking that your Holy Spirit would just move so mightily through us in us, Lord, so we would know you better. Help me share your word this morning, God. Help me to be uh, just an instrument that speaks truth and that speaks your victory today. In Jesus' name, amen. So over the last few weeks, guys, we've been in the book of Luke, and we're going to continue that today, and today we're going to be in, in chapter 3, and I hope that you've been reading through the book of Luke, and we're, we're going to be reading through it until the end of the year, so I, I hope that there's been a lot, of, uh, a lot of things that the Lord's been speaking and kind of showing you, and, and I love the conversations and phone calls that I've been getting about different questions about what this says, or what does this mean, or, or this is what the Lord's saying to me, and, and I, I just love how, how, we're, how we're interacting with the Lord in this season, because it's it's, this is one of the seasons, guys, where right, we're, we're here to celebrate the birth of our Savior, but so often we make it into something that it's not, but so often we make it into something that is so far from what it truly means to be in this season. And we're really good at it. Our culture is really good at it. Our, our culture makes other things far more important than you and I coming together and celebrating the king and celebrating the reason why we live and the reason why we breathe. And, and my hope is that as we're reading through this and that you're taking moments to pause, that you're taking moments just to kind of remember who Christ is and remember what he's done and remember what he's doing, even if the season is not a good season for you right now, even if this is a hard time for you. One of my best friends just, uh, just posted something on, on Facebook a, a couple of days ago talking about how Facebook, um, how Facebook, talking about how Christmas is the hardest time of the year for him. And for some of you would go, why? It's Christmas time. This is a cool, it's alive, it's, it's festive and all these things, but yet at the same time, he's struggling. He's trying to figure out why this is, why it's so hard. And through life, this season had always been a negative time for him. This season had, had always been a time in his family where things weren't good. But what I love about him and what I loved about his attitude is because of that, he's taken these, this season now is his season where he presses into God more than he ever has. It's this season where he abandons all of the things of the culture of Christmas and says, I want to make it about Jesus. And I want to make it about him. I want to make sure that I don't miss anything that he wants to do in me and in my family. 
So would you take this season and be a conduit to your family in this season of Jesus? Because what a, what a time, what a place that you get, guys, if there's not a better season of life for you to share Jesus with people, it's now. It's right now. Because people are open to it. Even though they don't know they're celebrating it, they're celebrating it. And there's something that I believe the Holy Spirit does in this season to soften people's hearts. I really do. There's something about this season that I think hearts are just being prepared for what God wants to ultimately do, and that's bring salvation to each and every one of them. And this story that we're going to see this this morning in in Luke uh, chapter 3 we're going to see somebody that's sharing the gospel, and they're sharing it. And, and I think there's a lot of pieces through this that we're going to see kind of this conviction, this, this sold out, this, this, this like burden to people to hear who Jesus is. So as we start in chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 1, and I'm going to read through a lot of it, and then we'll come back and kind of talk more about it. And um, man, I forgot my glasses. Dang it. Can't see my Bible without my glasses. I got to read off the screen now. Sorry, guys. My bad. I'm having moments with myself right now. (laughs) Chapter three. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, let, let me, let's, let's hear this for a second here. You ever read stuff like this and go, why is this important? You ever read stuff like this and go, who cares? I just want to hear about Jesus, right? I just want to hear something specific that's going to really uh, address my situation right now. Let me tell you why this is important. This is, this is historically the way uh, history was documented. And the reason that we see this and the reason that these these Moments are important that when people were in, uh, that when, when people were governing and when people were ruling over things, it just brings context to what was happening and it brings context to bring back proof that that really happened. So when you read these things, don't just kind of look at them and go, ah, whatever, that doesn't matter. Because when we take the historical time, context in this, and let's just remove it from the biblical value. When we bring it into the historical context, you can go look at a history book and go, wow, that was real. Wow, that guy was really at that time. So guess what? Maybe, just maybe, the rest of this story could have some authenticity to it, that maybe the rest of this story could be true. So don't just flip by these moments and kind of look at these, but they, they are things that really bring the whole story together and really matter. So his brother Philip, tetriarch of Ituria and Triconitus and Lysanias, tetriarch of Abilene. These names, I'm glad we don't use them anymore. And if any one of you name your kids this, God bless you. Uh, West Texas, thank you. During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah, the prophet. A voice 
of one calling in the wilderness will prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked road shall become straight, the rough way smooth, and all the people will see God's salvation. That's out of Isaiah 40, 3 through 5. And then John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the coming wrath. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The ax is already at the root of the trees and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. What should we do then? The crowd asked and John answered, anyone who has two shirts should share with one Who has none? And anyone who has food should do the same. Even tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you are required to. And he told them. Then some soldiers asked him, what what should we do? He replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. The winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat in into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And with many other words, John exhorted the people and proclaimed the good news to them. But when John rebuked Herod, the the Tetrarch, because of his marriage to Herodias, his brother's wife, and all the other evil things he had done, Herod added this to them all. He locked John up in prison. Wow. Got this guy, John, Zechariah. Angel came to him, said, you're going to have a son. He's going to be the guy that goes before Jesus. He's going to be the guy who, who brings the story forward of where Jesus was coming. And now we're seeing John stepping into his ministry. We're, stuck, we're seeing John fulfill the prophecy that was given to Zechariah about what his son was going to do and what his son was going to be. And the message here in this section, guys, and what we see and what we recognize is this message of repentance. And I'd say this to us this morning, repentance prepares the heart, right? So we have this thing going on right here. We have these moments where John is talking to all of these people and he's telling them, guys, you got to get your heart ready. You got to get your heart ready because the Messiah's coming. And if your heart's not ready, you won't receive him. If your heart's not ready, you won't hear what he has to say to you. So let's kind of take that into today's time, guys. If our hearts are not ready, if our hearts aren't in a set of repentance, do you think we can really hear what God wants to say? Can we really hear what it is God wants to speak? 
Because when he starts to speak, you're going to begin to hear answers and you're going to begin to see things that, that, that these people begin to say and they're the, th- they're the same things that we say and most of the time it sounds like, what about me? What about me? How about my situation? How about what's going on with me? And I love so well, guys, I love so much how John responds to these people. And there's a group of people here that are very important. There's tax collectors there and there's soldiers here. Guess who those two people are in that culture? They're very important people. They're people who were allowing Rome to grow. They were allowing to, they were conquering. So they were at the forefront of what was happening in the nation at that time. So how cool is it that that's the crowd that John has at this moment, that they were the people that were going to be impacted, that were going to have their hearts changed, that were going to be at the forefront speaking to others of Jesus coming. Coincidence? I don't think so. I think it's the perfect plan that God has and the perfect plan that he has for you in the season that you're in right now. And there's something that you are being called to. There's something of a voice that he wants you to have. There's something of a voice that he wants you to share. And that share and that comes out of the repentance that we have in our hearts that is preparing us for whatever it is God wants to do. Now, here's the deal, guys. Repentance, for some of us, we hear that and we think it's this very negative kind of woe is me. I did something bad. I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. You know, you begin to sound like Eeyore. Woe is me. I'll never be good for anything. I'm ugly. And all these other things that we just walk around and our heart is not being prepared. Our heart is not changing, guys. And repentance needs to look something like this. And repentance is something that is so crucial to understanding the love of the Father. Because when you and I come to the Father in a heart of repentance, what we're saying is, God, I screwed up. And I want you more than I wanted that. I want you and who you are and what you have for me over anything else that I might have put before you in this season. And now I'm coming to you and I'm repenting. I'm saying I'm sorry. I'm turning from my other ways to follow you. And the cool thing is when you and I get into that heart, guys, when you and I get into that place, the things that we've been walking around with and the things that we've been struggling with, the Lord is quick to grab them and remove them. No more guilt, no more shame. But when you and I continue to live in the junk, when you and I continue to live in the guilt and in the shame, We're not allowing the Lord to heal. We're not allowing the Lord to restore. We're not allowing the Lord to bring salvation into our lives. Guys, and this morning, what John is echoing, what John is trying to tell these people is you got to get your heart ready because God wants to do something in your life and he doesn't want you to miss it. 
He doesn't want you to miss it. He wants you to have all of it. He doesn't want you just to experience a little bit of it. He wants you to have all of it. Are we in a place this morning? Are we a people this morning that is ready for everything that God has for us? Are we ready? Are we in that place? Are, 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 are we bringing our hearts before the Lord and saying, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry that I have messed up. But I'm grateful that you don't judge me for that. I'm grateful that you don't condemn me for that. I'm grateful that the work you did on the cross removes all of that. I'm grateful. And because of that, now we walk with our heads high. And you know what it is, guys? Here's the the thing. And when you and I begin to walk with our heads high, do you know that the people around us really notice that? Do you know that the people around you will begin to notice who you are, and how you're different. Because if you haven't seen this, and I would say I love to people watch. I really do. One of my favorite things growing up when I was in California was going to um, uh, City Walk. If you've never been there, it's at Universal Studios, and there are thousands of people. And I could go there for hours and hours and hours and just sit there and watch people and then make my own narrative about all of them. It was awesome. But I would sit there and I would, and I would see, and I started to learn this and kind of watch this, but most of the people that I would see walking around, they walked around with their heads down. Everyone just kind of walked like down. And then all of a sudden you would see somebody walking and they would just kind of have this like confident look amongst them. They just had this confident look and you were just kind of like, that guy right there, look at him. Man, either something amazing just happened or he's living his best life right now. And I think some of you can, you know what I'm talking about right now. You've known that. Some of you have experienced that yourself. When you're in those moments, when you're in those times where life isn't well, life isn't good, you walk around with your head down. You walk around like you got a problem. You walk around like not only do you have a problem, but you don't know anyone that can solve that problem. I wonder why it is that today Christianity is looked upon as something that's not worth anything, right? It's looked upon as a joke. It's looked upon as weak because most of us, God's kids, we walk around like we don't have a savior. We walk around like we don't know the king. We walk around like we're wounded and we're never going to be healed, when it's quite the contrary of what he is and what he says and what he's all about. See, because you're his kid, and because you're his kid, you have an inheritance to the kingdom. Because of that inheritance, you live in authority. Because of that inheritance, you live in victory. Because of that inheritance, you are free from everything that would try to bring you down. So why not walk that, guys? Why not live that? Why not become that? Because the Father is preparing the way for you. The the Father has made the way for you and I to experience that to the fullest. 
And that's what John was trying to say here. And that's what John was trying to tell them. Because this place of repentance prepares the heart. And then the heart changes the mind. Because when your heart begins to be changed, guys, it it begins to change the way you think. It begins to change the way you process. It begins to change the way you live. So their hearts are being prepared. They're starting to get this. They're starting to catch this. And I love the response of the people. They start saying, what do we do? What do we do? Because I'm recognizing this. I can, I, I, I can see this. There's something about my heart that's changing right now. Now what do I do? And John begins to tell them things. He begins to say things to them, guys, that, that we wanted to hear something better, right? I bet they wanted to hear something like, guess what? You're going to be the so blessed people now. Your life is going to be so awesome and so great, and it's going to go forever and ever. You're never going to struggle again. But instead, he says, start giving your stuff away. If you got two, give one to somebody that doesn't have one. God, that's mine. That, I can't do that. What, what, what do you mean, give, give away? Come on now. Tax collectors. Guess what? You, you just, just start taking what you're supposed to do. Just take what you're supposed to be given right now. Don't go above and beyond that. Now you're messing with my money. You're messing with my hustle. What am I supposed to do here? If I'm not going to make it, I'm not going to be able to make it. I'm not going to pay my bills. I'm not going to be able to live the lifestyle that I'm living because you're asking me to do something that I don't want to do. But because, guys, their hearts were changing, because their hearts were being prepared, because they had come to places where they had begun to repent, they were hearing these things, and guess what they started doing? They started doing them. They started living them out. They started walking them out. And guys, when your heart is prepared and your heart is ready and your heart is, is experiencing the repentance that God, that, that God wants to show you out of his love, your heart begins to be prepared for the things that he wants you to do that so often are things you don't want to do. I wish the story was different. I wish the story would have sounded something that was for you and and the story was something that would just be something you get and you get. Another one of the themes, we've seen this theme over the last few weeks is this theme of obedience. Another theme that we begin to see as we begin to see the life of Christ and we begin to to see the different things of, of biblical themes is this one of generosity. See, there's something about this obedience that leads your heart to generosity. It leads you to be a person that is generous instead of selfish. When you have an encounter with Christ, when you have a a repentance with Christ, when you know that you are forgiven for the sins, when you are when when you are restored and when you are full of salvation, you should become a generous person. And what does that mean? I'm not talking about, we always refer to the physicalness of stuff. We always refer to money. We, we always refer to our, to our things. But I think generosity spans so much greater. And I think the greatest thing you and I could ever give is our time. 
is our time. You want to know how generous of a person you really are? Talk about giving your time away. That'll really test your, your generosity because for, for some of us, it's much easier to reach into your pocket and pull out a buck and go, here you go. Whew. Don't have to go help him, right? Because I know that was going to take a really long time. And I'd be will, much more willing to give a buck towards that than my time. And the reason why I even say this, guys, and that I even bring this up in the sense of your time, because I believe when you learn how to be generous with your time, you learn how to hear from the Lord. Because it's in those moments when you start exercising your gift that God's given you of generosity to give to somebody else, it's in those moments where he begins to speak to you in ways that you're ready to hear. And you're ready to be obedient and you're, all, and you're ready to walk it out. But when you and I continually live in a life of selfishness, you struggle to hear God. You struggle to hear what he's saying. You struggle to hear what he's already said. And that's one of the most difficult moments that you and I have because we want to hear God. But the real question is, are you prepared to hear God? Are you prepared? Is your heart ready? Have you prepared your heart to hear what God wants to say? Because he's not just going to say it to you because he wants you to hear something. He wants, you to, he wants to say it to you because he wants you to do something with it. And John, guys, you ever been called a brood of vipers? A brood of vipers. That's not nice, okay? He's addressing a group of people, right? That's like me walking up here this morning to this church and go something like this. You all suck! Listen to me now, right? Heads up, I'm gonna tell you some stuff. But know that you suck. John, really? That's how he starts the conversation. That's how he starts this group of people. You suck! Now, let me go a little further with this. I'm going to tell you all the other things that you are and all the other things that you're not and all the things you got to be doing. Da, 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 dart, 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 dart. And they respond. And they respond. They go, what? Like, what do I got to do? I, I don't want to be that. I, I, don't, I, I want to change. I, I want to be different. Guys, why is it that sometimes we feel we have to sugarcoat everything? Matt, only you, man. Pride. Right? We don't want to really tell it the way it is. We don't really want to say it the way it is because maybe if we did, someone might get offended. What's worse, guys? Offending somebody or somebody going to hell? What's worse? I hope we chose number two. Because I think that is. I think that's worse. Is it worth offending somebody? Is it worth saying truth to somebody? Is it worth telling them what really is so they might receive a nudge in their heart that would bring them to a place of change? Or should we just sugarcoat it enough that it really doesn't 
that it really doesn't sound like we even believe what we're saying? Or should we sugarcoat it enough that we make it sound like anybody can do it? And all you got to do is breathe. All you got to do is breathe. And you know what? You don't have to say anything. You don't, you don't have to do anything. God's just going to love you. And God's gonna, you'll be in heaven with me. That's not the story, guys. That's not the thing. And, and I love the way John brings it right now. I love the way John, the way he's, he's, he's hammering this out, guys. And he's not pulling any punches whatsoever. John does not care about what people think about him in this moment. He cares about preparing the way for the gospel. He cares about Jesus showing up so all of these people would, ex- would accept and receive the words he's going to share with them. He could have cared less so much that the end of that, the end of those verses, what did it say? He went to prison. He went to prison because he called it out, because he spoke it out, because he wasn't afraid to tell people what was really going on and was really going to happen to the point of where he got locked up. And, and you know what he didn't do? I guarantee you he didn't get locked up and go, no, 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 I was lying. I was lying. I didn't mean that. Uh-uh. No, no, no. You got the wrong guy. Instead, you know what he said? I got to go tell people in jail now. I got an audience who can't run away. I got an audience that's going to be right in front of me, and I can say this to them all day and all night, and they have to listen. John was excited. John was ready for the opportunity. John thought, heck, right on. An audience that I don't even have to go build, and I don't have to go get. I just get to show up. Is there an audience that you currently have? Is there an audience where God has placed you right now? Is there an audience that God has given you to declare the coming of the Lord? And how are you doing with that audience? What are you doing with that audience, guys? Or are you living in the sense of, I don't want them to know. I I don't want them to, you know, I don't want them to look at me differently. Because you know, the way they're really looking at you and the way that they're really processing you is why didn't you tell me this sooner? Why didn't you tell me this a long time ago? Why didn't you tell me this? Why have I known you for so long and you've never said this to me? Why would you allow me to do and be the things that I've been and not tell me? what you know and not tell me what you've experienced. See, that's what pride does. That's what pride gets you guys. That's, that's where the enemy wins. That's where the enemy sets up shop and he says, yeah, keep caring about what they think about you because I want them there. I want them to be in that place. I remember this one time, and I was, uh, I was in high school, and this was before I'd come to know Jesus, and I had a friend, his name was Jeremy, his name was Jeremy Crone. I played on the offensive line, and he was, um, 
I was the guard and he was the tap. really, really good friends. I graduate from high school, have an encounter with Jesus. I meet this guy, Jeremy. We cross paths in our lives and, you know, the typical what's going on, what's going on, how's it going? And I begin to tell him of my experience with Jesus. You know what he says to me? set himself apart. And this guy, Jason, that had become his friend, Jason had reached out to him one day because he was going through something. And, 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 and Jeremy had begun to disciple Jason. So they weren't just friends. They had created in high school this discipleship relationship that was so awesome. But the day I crossed paths with him and he tells me that he's a Christian and I asked him this, why didn't you ever say anything to me? Why didn't you ever say anything to me? Bro, this has been the greatest experience of my life. This has been the most life-changing thing that I've ever had. And I feel like if I would have known a few years later, I probably wouldn't have walked through some of the things that I've walked through. And that was that moment, that was that time, guys. And that's just how I felt. And I was sharing this with him. And I walked away from that conversation, probably leaving him feeling like crap than loving him and, and, and exhorting him for the things he had done and for the example that, that he had done. But that's just kind of where I was at that moment. And then years later, years later, I remember the same situation happened to me. The same situation happened to me where I was a Christian and I met somebody and I never told them never said anything to them. And that relationship parted ways and later on we crossed paths and they had become a Christian. And they said to me, how come you never told me? How come you never said anything to me? And guys, in that moment, in those times, those are those moments in my life where I vowed to never let that happen again where I vowed that anybody that I come in contact with and that I form any type of relationship with, that in those moments in that time, the thing that's going to be the foundation of our relationship is the knowledge of Christ. See, guys, what you think people are going to think about you is the opposite of really what's going on. It's the opposite of really what that moment is for. 
Because you see, whether you realize this or not, the Lord has put that audience in front of you. That Lord has put that audience around you. The Holy Spirit has gathered those people around you for this moment that you would declare to them to prepare their hearts for the coming of the Lord. They're there for this moment. They're there for this season. They're there so you would have the opportunity to share with them something that's going to absolutely change their life. See, John got it, guys. John understood it. John lived it. John was willing to go to jail. He was willing to go to prison in order to see this come to pass. Because repentance had changed and prepared his heart, and then his heart had changed his mind. I'm going to finish this last bit here, and another thing here that I went back and forth with reading or not reading was the end, and through this is, I think, um, what's interesting about it is another one of these of, I, I probably get this asked to me more than anything when you're reading the Bible, is... Why does it matter that all of these names are mentioned, right? Why does it matter? And even when I read them half the time, I don't know what they are. I don't know what they say. I don't know what the purpose of it. And the end part of this in verse 21 says, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And he was praying. Heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And the voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Now, Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. He was the son, so it was thought of Joseph. And we begin to go down this genealogy here, and we begin to read this genealogy. And before we read this genealogy guys there's a couple of little just a couple of little points everyone brings to the point of Jesus being 30 years old why is that important guys because it's important at this age is acknowledged that you were a mature person at the age of 30 at the age of 30 you had your stuff together how cool of a detail is it that God even put that and weaved that in there that even through the process that he was bringing somebody that somebody could look at and go that guy knows something. That guy is mature. That guy has put himself uh, in this spot. He's probably done the things that he's needed to do in order to have the voice that he's going to have. And I love that that detail is also in there. But I also love the other part here when he says that you are my son whom I love with you. I am well pleased. Remember, guys, John came to prepare the heart. John came in order that they would be ready for him. What do you think the response would have been if John wouldn't have prepared the way when the voice of God began to speak clearly and loudly? I think the response would have been more upon what was that instead of the response being, wow, God is here. God is here. And why that's so important for you and I, guys, because as you prepare the way and as you share the gospel, 
I promise you, when people begin to leave you and they go on their way, what you're doing is you're preparing the way for when God speaks in their life, they're actually going to hear what he's saying. They're actually going to hear it. And that's exactly what happens here. It's exactly what, what John does. And then we walk through the genealogy here. And we can look at this and we can go, what the heck? Who cares? Typically, some of you, you don't have to be honest right now, but you probably skip this part. You skip it and you go, a lot of sons. I don't care. Let me tell you why you need to care just a little bit here. Let me tell you why this is important. Let me tell you why this is something that you just can't let go by and go, ah, I don't understand. Because what you got to get out of all of this, guys, is what's being written here is the proof that Jesus was and is who he says he is. It's the proof that we can chronologically, genealogy-wise, walk down who was who and who was who and who was who to get to the final part that it says here. It says at the final, it says, the son of Jared, the son of Mahalel, the son of Kenan, the son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. See, that's where it started. Adam started all of this. Adam started from the bottom. Adam was the first. And if we trace every single one of these, we come back to the point of it saying and it being the truth of where the Messiah was going to come from, what line he was going to come from. So once again, in the historical, we have the proof of who Jesus is and they say who he's going to be. So it does matter. They're not things just to kind of look by and, and look past. But guys, it's proof upon proof that again that says Jesus has come for the world so they would be saved. That's why he's here. That's why he came is so you and I again could have access to the Father. So this morning, guys, I want us to to respond to a couple of things. If you put the, that last screen up, guys, with our weekly questions, what did the Holy Spirit speak to you today? And what are you going to do with it? Take a minute to listen. Take a minute to hear that. Take a minute to process that. And just kind of hold it. And again, if you need to write it down, write it down. Don't let the Lord's voice pass you by. Don't let it go by without you having something to respond to later. The second thing is that I felt this, this, this morning that there were people that might have come in this door and we don't do this every single week and there's probably some of you that go, Eric, why not? We just don't. And there's a bigger conversation that I would love to have through that. But Eric, why don't you ask people from the front if they want to receive Christ? And this morning as I was sitting and preparing, I felt like I needed to ask this question this morning. And I don't, I'm not about bowing your heads. I'm not about closing your eyes. I don't want you to be ashamed of anything. 
the person that might be responding. What I want you to know and I want you to see is that there's a group of people here. There's a group of people here that want to surround you. There's a group of people that want to come alongside of you. There's a group of people that want to live with you. And I want you to see them. I want you to recognize it. And this morning, I felt like I was supposed to ask if there's anybody this morning that is in here and you've never asked Jesus into your life, if you've never prepared your heart, if you've never had a place where you've repented for the wrongs and the things that you've done, this morning I just would ask and I would give you the opportunity to respond and we're going to physically respond, but we'll, we'll, we'll walk it out further as we move forward. But if you're in here this morning and you've never responded and you've never asked Jesus into your heart, would you just, with, with your hand, just kind of put your hand up with me? And I just want to agree with you and I just want to pray with you. And I, and, I, and, I, and I want you to see that there's a group of people here that want to love on you and with you through this journey. So if that's you, just raise your hand. Raise your hand. Thank you.